Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. And I'm extra happy today that you're here because we have part two of our three-part series with Tina B, Life Coach and Inclusion Advocate, coming up for you. Oh my gosh. Today we talk about controlling the chaos. Now, I have to be completely honest and tell you that I was hoping that Tina would come in with some kind of like list for us, you know, control the chaos by doing this, this, and this. She has this uncanny ability to tell stories with lessons embedded into them that absolutely blow my mind. So while I was hoping for a list, I am so happy that Tina delivered the lessons in this episode the way that she did, you are going to get so many nuggets that are going to help you absolutely control the chaos in your life as the parent to a child with a disability. Let's hop right in to my episode with Tina, Controlling the Chaos. Welcome back to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today we are wrapping up our three-part series with Life Coach Tina B and we're talking about loneliness. I experience loneliness as the parent of a child with special needs all the time several times per day. And sometimes it is literally because I am home because Jack can't do something. Maybe it's a really unstructured activity where he's just not gonna do well. It wouldn't be fair to take him. And so one of us stays home with Jack. And of course that's lonely. Sometimes it's because we're on vacation. And while all four of us might be together on vacation, I experience this loneliness because Jack needs to go to sleep early in order to function at his best. And so we find ourselves in a hotel room or in a house um, that we've rented or, or you know, some vacation spot. And it's eight o'clock and we're all sitting on the couch like, well, what do we do next? We're kind of stuck here because Jack has to go to sleep. And that feels somewhat lonely. And sometimes the loneliness is because I just don't feel understood. I don't feel seen. We do so many things as parents of children with disabilities, regardless of the disability, that our friends don't see. If your child is struggling with reading, you have a hard time expressing your concerns and your interests and what you're doing to friends whose children don't struggle with reading. If your child is not meeting other milestones, if your child experiences behaviors or any kind of medical concerns, you know what I'm feeling. And today, Tina talks about how we address that loneliness. And friends, again, it isn't a list. There's no to-do list to do this. 
there is a mindset shift that has to occur. Tina's gonna walk us through that mindset shift. I really hope that these three weeks with Tina B have helped you to address some of the common um, concerns and questions that we have as parents of children with disabilities. It has really been an honor. Let me uh, get you right to the episode. Okay, Tina, part three of three, like I told you at the end of the last episode, I literally am like, I feel like I'm breathing off like layers and layers of stress. This has been so helpful for me. I really hope it's helpful for my audience. Um, and today I want to talk about kind of the last, um, the last kind of big thing that I struggle with as a parent of a child with disability and something I oftentimes talk to my clients about in my law practice. And that is kind of the loneliness, you know, I mean, we talk so much about community and that's why Ashley Barlow company exists is for the community. But um, even I sometimes am like just tapped out and, and don't want the big community. And I, um, I, I find myself almost feeling sorry for myself because it's so isolating to, um, to raise a child with a disability. And so I think my first question is, can you talk a little bit about your experience with that loneliness? Yes, and thank you again for having me. I have absolutely loved being um, on all these episodes. It's been so great. Um, and yes, loneliness, I think, is a humongous struggle with uh, parents of kids with disabilities. It's something I've struggled with from the very beginning. I mean, even... Uh, as soon as I had Noel, uh, my daughter was born 14 years ago. And from the beginning, I felt all alone because I am talking about this in the first episode, but, you know, I used to watch TLCs bringing home baby, or you just have this idea in your head of what becoming a parent is going to look like. And you don't ever really imagine it being a different way and being, uh, you know, when things go wrong or when it's a traumatic um, childbirth and those things. And so right from the beginning, you're alone because the thought that you had didn't even happen. You know, your, your expectation was never met. And so then you're lonely already because you're like, wait, this isn't what I thought. This isn't how I planned it. And when you look around, there's not many other people who have even had this experience. Uh, I know when I had Noel, I didn't know anybody else who had a child with a disability. I didn't know any, I mean, you know, family members, friends, they all go to the hospital and have babies and come home and nobody ever had the experience I had. So I was alone from the beginning. And even though your family and friends, you know, are there for you and want to be, it's just, it's isolating because nobody's done it, you know? And for me, I, uh, the first two weeks of Noel, well, no, Noel was in the hospital for the first two weeks. And then we came home and so it was two weeks after we got home, a, um, a home healthcare nurse came in and she actually gave me the poem, Welcome to Holland, which if you're, um, if you're a, a, a parent of a child with disability, I'm sure you've heard of it, but it was so fitting because it is, you know, you're planning this vacation trip to Italy and you buy all the guidebooks and everybody's on the plane to Italy. And then you end up landing in Holland and guess what? Nobody else you know landed in Holland. But when she gave me that poem, it was like, those words were literally the words of my heart. And when I read it, I was like, if somebody else wrote these words, then I know somebody else has been in this experience, you know, that I'm not the only one. 
So it was the first time I did feel a little bit of like, okay, I'm not the only one, but I still don't know anybody else in my life who has actually lived through this. Um, and I know in the beginning for me, uh, it was back when blogging was a thing. So uh, I really found that the only place I could really find even a little bit of camaraderie or understanding was through other people, other blogs um, who, you know, had lived it. But even that, that's only, that's only so helpful. Cause like I said, you're still all alone. <laughs> you know, you can read about somebody else, but then you sit with your child and you're, you're, you know, you're in it kind of alone. Yeah. I mean, and that is that poem. It's that poem is so incredible. Welcome to Holland. Um, but I love that you read it and immediately thought, Oh, if somebody wrote this, at least one other person mm -hmm. experienced this. Um, that's a really beautiful kind of simple realization to have. Um, and, and it's, quite helpful, right? Like a lot of times when I'm counseling people, um, I'll just, you know, I have to maintain confidentiality, of course, but I'll often say, you know, this is a really common theme and there are other parents that are working through this and here are some tips and tools that they use in order to succeed. Um, I think my loneliness and, and that which I see in a lot of my clients also kind of mirrors this um, is kind of twofold. So the one is kind of obvious. Um, so, you know, there's things that I don't want to say Jack cannot do, but things that just don't make sense for us. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's like some big, we don't go to birthday parties um, unless they look like they're going to have some kind of structure because, you know, we tried a couple of birthday parties and without any structure, just everybody come hang out in a basement and he gets so dysregulated and he doesn't know what to do. And then um, it becomes more um, harmful than helpful for him to be in this inclusive environment because it isn't super equitable for him. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And so that obviously feels lonely because your child can't do or can't do as well things that other people um, can do. So, um, but kind of the other piece of, um, of the loneliness is maybe not as obvious. It's so it's like when um, your child isn't doing what other people are doing. So like maybe you're at a cookout and um, you know, it looks like Jack's on the playground with everybody else. It looks like he's doing what everybody else is doing, but you as a parent know that it's not the same. And I, I always tell Brandon, it's like a moment, you know, I always say I'm having a moment um, because I'll look at him and it, if, if you looked from the outside, you'd be like, oh, look, he's playing with everybody else. But like, he's not doing what everybody else is doing. It takes him longer to get up the hill or he needs somebody else to put him on this swing, that sort of thing. And I think to me, like the issue with that, this is a lot of words to describe this, but I don't have less words. Um, <laughs> the, the, the hard thing for me in realizing that is it's more that like, does anybody ever take the time to really think how that makes us feel as parents of disabilities? And I think that's it. It's like, does anybody else see this pain that I'm experiencing just by watching kids play at the park? So how do we deal with that? Yeah, well, I love what you said, um, that there's some things that just, it just doesn't make sense 
for us to do. And that's something me as like a disability inclusion, you know, advocate person, I have come to that realization that there's just some things that it doesn't make sense for Noelle to do. Uh, one of those was I was um, helping coach at a basketball camp at a university and um, I was in charge. Honestly, I was in charge of like a hundred kids because the, uh, the head coach and the team got invited to a tournament last minute. And so she was like, Hey, Tina, can you run my camp? And I was like, Oh, great. This will be an awesome opportunity. Noelle can come because, you know, I'm in charge of it. She could come and do basketball. I even had one of her other friends who has um, disabilities come and they were, you know, partners together. And there was a moment in that when I was just looking and I was like, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Noelle's trying to do basketball camp when she's in an electric wheelchair. So she cannot, um, you know, I mean, if she's in a manual wheelchair, which is an amazing thing, like they can play basketball, like they can ball out. But for her, I'm like, she can't do it. And it was more me wanting her to be included. But like you said, it was that realization, she's not really being included, you know? And right. I do think that um, it's very, very lonely in that. Um, you know, for me, uh, another time was when we would go to, um, so I have an older daughter who's um, uh, almost two years older than Noelle. And so, you know, they were young together and they, she was doing dance class. And, you know, watching all the ballerinas on stage, let alone the stage has, you know, four stairs to get up to. And just that realization that Noelle doesn't get to do it the same way or does, you know, at the time it was like, she can't. I mean, I don't like to think that now, but at the time it was like, she can't. And it was so lonely and the tears were falling and I'm sitting around a whole room full of moms who were just cheering on their little ballerina but really I'm so sad that my ballerina doesn't get to get up there and it's like who do you get to talk to about that you know you can't talk to the mom next to you who's beaming with joy over her and I think that's why it's lonely and isolating like you said is nobody else even thinks to to, to realize that you know they didn't look over at me and like I'm sorry you're not experiencing this and that's something like right now, you know, you and I have, you know, having acknowledged this, like, we need to, as, you know, veteran moms or whatever, just acknowledge that. If, if and when we see somebody out and about, we can just acknowledge it. I mean, it, it would have made me feel seen if somebody just said, hey, I'm sorry, this must be hard for you, you know? And like, if we're at the park and we see a, a mom with a, a kid with a disability, or I always think like, you know, if you're at the grocery store and you see a mom you know, it's okay to acknowledge like, hey, I, I know th things must be hard. Um, and for me, this is great because I'm always like, you know, if I'm out and about, especially without Noelle, I, I see people and I'm like, oh, I want to talk to them. But like, how do I start a conversation? Like, I don't want to be that creeper. Like, oh, right. I have a kid in a wheelchair too. But just to acknowledge like, hey, mom, I see you. And I see that things, things must be hard that, you know, that, that it's not easy all the time or whatever. I think that alone is amazing. And like you said, um, these other parents aren't going to do it because they don't even know, you know, but we do know. And so that is, that is one little, one little thing that we can do. But I, uh, I, I honestly um, can completely relate to that isolation. And it is even when you have more kids, right? Like, cause you know, the things that Jack can do and then the things your other kids can't do. And, and then there's that isolation as well. <clears throat> but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where you said, you don't do birthday parties. I think as you get um, along this journey, you start to see the things that you do and the things that you don't do. 
<clears throat> and for me, same thing with Noelle, we could be in a room full of people and everybody's ignoring her. Nobody is interacting with her. And so, you know, I could be constantly trying to get her involved in stuff, or we can just choose that, like, this probably isn't the best environment. And she chooses it now on her own. I mean, she's 14 and she usually chooses to opt out of things. She's like, no. Uh, I mean, there's certain things that I have to force her to do, just like any teenager, like, too bad you're coming to church. Come on. But, um, you know, I think there's that it's okay to make that healthy boundary for your, for your family and for your kiddo to lessen those opportunities of that isolating experience. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I kind of pulled three things out of that and they are the three things that I think I would, I probably do. Um, and so, you know, the first is kind of like acknowledging it yourself and allowing yourself to feel that. Um, when in our very first um, episode together, you and I kind of talked about how we had similar personalities and like kind of, I say TCB, take care of business, right? So like, <laughs> we got these babies, this is a blessing, growth opportunity, what do we do next? Let's like, ready, set, go. Um, but it's really important to kind of take time to yourself and to internalize it. Um, and they have those moments and like kind of the first step to healing in this is acknowledging it. Um, but then I have recognized that when you are empathetic to somebody else, it, it does reciprocate and you do feel it back if it's from that person specifically, or, um, just from the universe, the universe throws it back to you. Um, I, I do experience that. And then I love kind of your, your last point, And that is, um, choosing the right environment for your child and letting your child kind of get that. I always say from like, it's so hard to, to go down this path, but like people that are very inclusive and equitable to Jack and to our family are, are just good people. It's like this litmus test that's really awesome. But then the opposite of that isn't true. So like people that yeah. don't see that, but it doesn't mean they Ooh. aren't they're bad people, you know, but mm -hmm. I have to kind of like really be intentional about, okay, this person doesn't choose to see this, but there's other things that I can pull out of this friendship or the kids can pull out of their friendship or whatever. Um, oh, I love that. I love what you just said. Cause I, all the time, um, especially because Noelle, her disability is very profound. It's very in your face. I mean, she has a trach and a ventilator. She's in a wheelchair. So there's no like hiding what's going on. But to see the kids or just the individuals who are automatically drawn to her and automatically, and I have always just been like, there is something special about them. Wow, that's amazing. But what I love that you said is it doesn't mean there's not something special about the people who don't automatically do it. Um, I love that because it's easy to just, you know, it's easy to get your feelings hurt. <laughs> it's right. easy to just be like, gosh, why, why can't they be like that? But I love that understanding of it doesn't mean that they're, they're not. It's just maybe we have to help them in a different way or teach them in a different way even. Yeah, and find the good. You know, I mean, I am other things than Jack's mom. And so if, if you don't want to relate to me as Jack's mom, that's fine. Like, but you know, maybe I like to talk about current events. So maybe like this person really likes to talk about social justice or to talk <laughs> about, um, I don't know, politics or something else that I'm interested in. And so I, um, you know, can find other ways to connect with people. It doesn't have to be through Jack, uh, because I, what I have found is if you think don't care about Jack equals bad person. That's even more isolating. It yields to Absolutely. the isolation. Um, 
So yeah, and I guess, you know, kind of, but in doing that, the fear that I always have is that I sound whiny, you know, like I've got one girlfriend, her daughter is always in Jack's class. We're very good friends. Um, hey, Amy, I know she listens. Um, <laughs> and I value her friendship so much. Um, but sometimes I'll call her and I'm like, oh, la, 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 la. and I feel like such a whiny hiney. And I'll have to say like, I'm sorry, I just need to vent. Um, and I try not to do that to like one person all the time, like have a dump truck, you know, I'm just dumping yeah. all the crap in the world onto that person. Do you have any kind of advice for kind of balancing the, the need to advocate for yourself and advocate for your child in this kind of isolating environment? Yeah, I think for me, I've found, uh, other friends who have similar experiences or maybe have a child with a disability, those are the friends that I can definitely uh, dump truck to way differently. Uh, I don't really have a friend who doesn't have a child with a disability that I ever even slightly do that to because I just, I mean, and, and for me, I feel like there's no place. Like, and I don't know if, uh, you know, you feel, have felt this way as your child's gotten older, but it's like in the beginning, there's a lot of people around and people are listening. And, you know, when there's extreme situations like hospitals and stays and stuff, people make you meals or, you know, there's a, they, they want the update. I guess they want the update, but the longer yeah. things go on. And when there's no update, there's nobody who's listening anymore. There's no, you know, and I found that even with family, even with my own family, they're not, you know, like I said, like people are waiting for the cliffhanger, like what's the new update? What's the new news? But when this is just life, when there's no update, people tend to like, you know, check out or whatever. So for me, I haven't necessarily, um, I, I don't have a friend who, that's funny that I'm even thinking of this, but I'm like, I don't have a friend who doesn't have a child with a disability that I get to dump on because maybe I just haven't trusted them enough with it. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I do have, um, you know, one friend in particular whose son has a similar diagnosis of Noel. And so it's like her and I are both like, when it gets to the tipping point, you know, it's like, then when we, we can call each other and just let it out and just, you know, kind of just, I don't know, have the, just the, the, the tantrum or the whininess, you know what I mean? Because there's times that we do need to be able to do that. And I would say if you, you know, nowadays there's so much connection through social media, um, there's so much and so little. And so instead of necessarily always trying to find a huge group or this tribe or this, you know, support group, like maybe think smaller, maybe find that one other mama who understands who, you know, especially nowadays, even no matter how specific your child's diagnosis is, I do feel like you can at least find one other. I mean, Noel is one of like 67 diagnosed with her diagnosis. And just the other day, a mom reached out to me um, and her daughter's 21. And we have talked like off and on um, through social media, but it was just the other day, she's like, told me her daughter's diagnosis. And I was like, wait, that's exactly Noel's. Like, hold on, you know? And uh, wow. so it's like, find that, find that one that you guys can kind of just, you know, be there for each other. I mean, support groups are great and forums are great and, you know, Facebook groups are great, but sometimes you need that one person who really is listening to you because then you don't feel as whiny. You know what I mean? You're just, you are actually going to somebody just to, 
to let down. Uh, Cause I think even in a support, or, you know, a Facebook group, you, you can feel whiny, you know? And then when you get all the replies and you just have a 15 other people who are just, I don't know, pouring into that. I think that can get a little, I mean, there's a time and a place for it. Absolutely. It's draining. That doesn't serve me. And right. that's the problem for me is I, so when I was 15, um, I was in a gasoline explosion and I broke my back and I have chronic pain. And I like one of the things that I, um, kind of like one of those lessons that um that weighed heavily on me or influenced me greatly when I was a kid you know those like golf um scenes that are on posters and typically like dudes offices like a plaid yeah. couch and a <laughs> golf scene um I love those things <laughs> I mean maybe not the whole look but those golf things like oh man I love those kinds of motivational things like Zig Ziglar um and so one of the things that really um, influenced me was leaving the world a better place. And I realized really quickly, like you're saying, I love that idea of like when there's no longer an update and it's just your life, like nobody really seems to care. Um, you know, the first year I went back to swimming and you could like physically see my muscles like rippling up and down my back and, you know, like real muscle spasms. And people were so concerned and went and got ice and, you know, bought me an ice cream cone or something. Um but then like the next year when I was just getting slower and it still hurt and like, you know, I couldn't finish a whole practice. It was like, okay, well, we don't really care as much. And I think people did care, but it wasn't as exciting. It wasn't like we always say in the disability community that that isn't sexy. That's like lifelong, like, all right, well, I'll throw, I'll throw $5 to that organization, but that isn't like all that cool anymore. Yeah. Um, and what I realized was I'm not throwing goodness into the world by being like, I still have those back spasms, you know, like nobody cares. Mm -hmm. um, and they do, but I've got so much more to contribute that I've learned as a result of this pain. Yeah. And so like, I have a perspective, I have this grit, I have grace, I have kind of this secret inside of me, this like superpower of pain that gives me a perspective that I can really use to share good in the world. Um, and so what I kind of do is I kind of wait until the opportunity presents itself and somebody will say something and I'm like, oh, I've got something in my life experience that could really help you. Um, yeah. And so I think that's kind of what you're talking about is saving it until you can do something meaningful with the pain and the loneliness. Um, but otherwise having a really strong community of people that, like we have here um, that can share in those experiences, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Tina, I know that you have recently started a nonprofit um, that really kind of yields into this community um, piece. So tell us about that. Yeah, so we, uh, we started a nonprofit called Hope in Holland and it's exactly in correlation to the poem, you know, Welcome to Holland. And it's really just about trying to offer hope to those of us who find, find ourselves in Holland. And it, um, you know, we have a few different uh, parts of it. One, we want to start um, inclusive book boxes to where you buy one. And when you buy one, one gets donated to a school or a library of your choice. So we can continue to, um, you know, invest this message of inclusion in places where it's not yet. Because I don't know if you've ever been to a kid's library, but there's not very many books on inclusion. Um, so that's a huge um, piece of our, our heart and our vision. 
And another one is just um, being able to meet people where they're at um, who need you know, help in medical, um, uh, it's really anybody in need of a medical blessing just to help them. Um, you know, GoFundMes are great, but unfortunately, sometimes those can get messy because it can um, be added as income. It could be an asset to you. And sometimes that ends up actually not being the best situation, you know, it, when, it, when it comes to insurance or just, just different things. So being able to um, help and kind of like I said about the it's about giving you a medical blessing when it's no longer that sexy opportunity, you know, when it's not like, oh, we just got the diagnosis or this just happened. It's like, oh, we're, you know, seven years into this and we need to modify this little piece in our home. And unfortunately, nobody's around anymore. And, you know, nobody is um, really throwing the five bucks to us. You know, it's like, it's like meeting people where they're at and helping out. And, um, we, we had done that as, um, when we had a, we had a little um, boutique store, but over, you know, six months, we donated more than $6,000 to families in need. And like I said, they were just little, I mean, little things to most, but they were life-changing to them, you know, and that's really, um, where we want to, um, help team up and, and help people. And then the last one is just teaching and advocacy and, um, you know, just continuing to spread the message. Um, and as we, uh, continue to build it, I would love it to be a place where we could have community and we could have groups. Um, my husband and I have really big dreams and goals to the point where we're like, we want to have a family camp, a family retreat, or, you know, like, um, we, we just did a, a Tough mutter for the first time, um, two months ago and literally it was the best day of my life. Um, and so we're like, we want to, you know, include this obstacle course mentality. And I mean, we have the property to do it. So we may even make this obstacle course and make it accessible, make it to where people with all kinds of abilities can complete it. Because when you talk about that grit and grace, I'm like, when you're given these opportunities, you know, physical opportunities where I overcame this, you know, obstacle, whatever it is, it helps you. It helps your mental health. It helps you know you can do it. And it's also yeah. just fun. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a big kind of um, vision for, for what we're doing. But really, it's just, it's anything I can do to help others who also find themselves in Holland. And, um, you know, as it grows, I just want to partner with other people because it is lonely and we do need others. And, you know, like the poem says, the more you're there and the more you look around, you notice that Holland has tulips and Holland has windmills. Um, but sometimes you need other people to help you realize that they're there, you know? Um, so that's really just kind of our, our heart in that. And it's growing. I mean, it's kind of just started as a little seed and we'll see where it goes from there, but. Oh, so good. So good. Um, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and how they can learn more about your coaching business. Yeah. So, um, the number one place that I'm on is Instagram. And I always tell people, if you message me on Instagram, I will respond because that is, my biggest, I love to interact with people. I've met amazing people like you, Ashley, through it. And really that's my heart on Instagram. It's all about relationship and that's what I'm there for. Um, so my Instagram is um, Tina B underscore disability inclusion ed. Um, and that's where we kind of share our lives, the, the good, the bad, the ugly of it. Um, if you, you know, if you like YouTube, I have a lot of YouTube videos about um, just how to teach disability inclusion, 
those kind of things. Uh, my YouTube is just Tina B. Um, and um, if you like TikTok, <laughs> um, we uh, during during the pandemic, the beginning, we really exploded on TikTok. And like, really, you can just see our personality and our fun side. Um, really, that's also a place we advocate, we teach, but um, really just funny videos. Um, and so our TikTok is Tina B underscore Noel underscore Lily. So. Oh boy, I'm not on TikTok, but I've seen you share a couple on Instagram and um, so, so fun. You are such a gift to the community. Thank you so much for all three of these episodes. I cannot wait to connect with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.